Welcome to The Daily Diagnosis, a healthy lifestyle podcast provided by Ogden Clinic. We're your prescription for health-centered conversation, stories, and advice. Hosted by myself, Parker Shaw, and featuring the talented providers of Ogden Clinic, you'll reach a positive prognosis for your podcast addiction by listening to The Daily Diagnosis. Hey guys, this is April from Ogden Clinic's marketing team. And this is Parker from Ogden Clinic's marketing team. Hi, I'm Dr. Ron Rigby. So Dr. Ron Rigby um, is the main overseer of our medical weight loss program. And this program started out in one clinic, Davis Family Physicians, and it has since really exploded in the last couple of years. And he's now in four locations. So Dr. Rigby, can you tell us a little bit more about your practice? Yes. Um, obviously doing medical weight loss, um, like, I, like was said, we're in four different clinics from Mountain View up in North Ogden area, also at McKay Hospital and Davis Family Physicians, which is in Layton. And then now we're down in Bountiful with Bountiful Durham Clinic near the Renaissance Building. That's so, amazing. And then how many, um, you've got some staff members under you, don't you as well? Yes, I have two nurse practitioners. Uh, one with Cheryl Bingham, who's at McKay two days a week and at Davis Family Physicians. And then Jonathan Wilson, who is up in Mountain View or Pleasant View or North Ogden, all that. And then myself, who goes down to Bountiful right now. That's really cool. So medical weight loss is one of our biggest specialties here at Ogden Clinic, and I'm sure if you follow us on social or if you've seen a lot of what we put out, we talk a lot about um, this medical weight loss practice. And we hear just about weight loss in general that it's tied to diet and exercise. Those are the two big ones. But in today's episode, what we want to talk about are some of the other factors that maybe we don't discuss enough that also affect our weight. And off air, we talked a little bit about um, stress and sleep and a couple others. So I'm going to um, give it over to Dr. Rigby. Can you talk to us just a little bit more about some of the main factors that are affecting weight loss besides diet and exercise? Well, I usually look at it as uh, six to seven different pillars or key factors that come to the weight loss. And again, starting with the eating habits or diet. And second is the exercise, which we're trying not to focus on as much at, but also your stress, your sleep, your gut microbiome or your gut health can be a key factor, your social environment. But one thing we don't always talk about is the medications that we as doctors put you on, which we're intending trying to help the problem, but sometimes can make other problems worse. Awesome. So let's kind of break that apart as much as we can. So of these six pillars, which one do you want to start with just to kind of delve into? Let's start with the uh, the stress aspect. Cool. We all live in a, a world of stress. We always make stress out to this horrible, horrible thing. I always tell people you have to focus on these stressful events in one of two ways, either what we call distress. It's something I don't like my work. I'm having some relationship type issues. My teenager's driving me nuts, uh, whatever. Financial type things that make it things very stressful, don't like it type of a thing. That's more of a distress. Then you've got eustress. I like going to work. I love my coworkers. I can't, I've got all these big projects that I'm working on. I don't want to go home because I've got this project and this project that I want to do and I'm excited about it. It's coming, it's coming, I'm growing, I'm developing. We're in a brand new relationship. Everything's going great. It's almost going too fast, but it's going in the right direction. I'm having great environment, but I don't have time to do the other stuff, but I enjoy what I'm doing. That's kind of you stress. So you stress is like good stress. That's a good stress. So we want to look More at those. Stress. Exactly. <laughs> so we want to look at these stressful situations and what can I do to avoid those distressful type things and make it more of a you stress. Maybe I need to change my approach. Maybe I need to 
how I work with my coworkers a little bit different. So it's now a better environment. So I'm more of excited. Maybe it's my perspective. Maybe I need to exercise more so I can now deal with my stressful. I actually like to do some of these things, but kind of dealing with that stress a little bit different sometimes can help. That's so interesting. sorry to cut you off there, but um, does your body, I guess, since stress does like make you gain weight, is mm-hmm. your body like, is it like a defense mechanism? Like you're like, I'm going into hibernation mode because there's too much going on. What's kind of the, well, the deal behind it? There's lots of different theories behind it. One of them is it bumps up your cortisol level. And your stress or your cortisol level is more your stress hormone. It's that acute stress. It's that fight or flight type thing. I sometimes use the analogy that if we're up on up walking on the mountains and we're walking along and we're all nice and quiet and all of a sudden you hear this crash behind you and you turn it's a big black bear what happens your cortisol goes through the roof why to either help yourself fight your way out of that situation or get your butt out of that and that's part of the reason it's so hard to kind of sit still and everything that we always tell you about is stay still let the animal go type of thing that's kind of that stress well well that cortisol goes up what does it do it now dumps sugar into your bloodstream well, your body can't do anything with it in your bloodstream. It has to bump up your insulin to now actually get into the cell. So now you can either fight your way out or get your butt out of there. So that's where having that higher sugar level bumping up our insulin. Well, if we're not doing anything with that stressful situation, we're now pushing that sugar into the bloodstream because we're not using it as much. Now that can lead to weight gain. So in like situations, for example, if you're like public speaking or you have a big presentation, you have that sugar in your blood, but you're not exercising or or doing anything to, I guess, burn it off. Mm -hmm. So that just leads to that weight kind of accumulating because... It it can, but again, acute stress and chronic stress are two different things. The acute stress, that acute, that excitement about it or scared about doing that public speaking or being on a podcast, those types of things (laughs) can can be a good thing. It gets you hyped up. It gets you more energy. It gives you the excitement to do what you need to do. But if now we're getting to a more of a chronic stress, an ongoing type thing, that's now causing this ongoing response that can make it more difficult to deal with things. You don't see an end to the situation. I don't like my job. I've got to be stuck here for another 20 years. Mm. Whatever. Just dealing with that mum mundane type thing where you're in a stressful don't deal with it type of thing just saying oh just get over it doesn't work that's where we need to look at trying to figure out what's going on with the situation that's where having working with the therapist or looking Mm -hmm. at different aspects can definitely help us with some of that stressful situation is a key aspect Wow. And weight loss is a benefit. <laughs> Definitely a benefit with that. So, so do you do you prescribe or ever tell patients to go on a vacation or anything? <laughs> I, I always I say I'm willing to write for it. I just don't know who's going to pay for it, but I'm, 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 I wish. Pay, I'm willing to write for it, but I'm not paying for it. So Let's talk about the next one, sleep, because that's a big one, and I feel like we're hearing about it more and more, the importance of getting enough sleep and getting good quality sleep. Yeah. Again, it's a diff- different things of – just it's not just quantity but it's quality we always say oh you should be in bed and everybody debates on the amount and everybody's a little bit different but you need that seven to seven half maybe eight hours of sleep but it's not just being eight hours of being in bed it's more of getting better quality sleep getting good REM sleep being rested when you get up and unfortunately a lot of times in our societies we always have a time that we have to get up well I have to be at work I, my routine is I have to be up at six Therefore, I'll try to go to bed. Well, the kids are up or this is going on or I've got to finish my TV show or 
got to listen to this podcast. So I'm now getting in bed later and later and later. And it's like, well, we know we have to get up. We need to make sleep a higher priority in trying to get to sleep. Part of it also is looking in the environment. Sometimes, especially if you share a room with somebody, they might like it warm. You like it cold. Mm. They like it with noise. You like it quiet. So trying to find that environment that really helps you get that best rest. So what we call sleep hygiene, get the temperature. It helps you sleep better. Get the lightness or the darkness best for help you. Sounds, either having a sound machine or not having a sound machine or something like that. So trying to get that environment the best that you can get to sleep and get the rest that you need. Interesting. And then so how is, if we're improving our sleep, how does that also improve our, um, our weight loss efforts? Well, a lot of times studies have actually shown that if you're actually rested in the morning, you're not reaching for that sugary treat or whatever That's to kind of like, ooh, I got to make, I've got a meeting. I've got to get, make, have to eat something so I can make through my meeting at 10 o'clock. After my meeting's over, I will worry about getting a meal. Oh, something came up, so I'll go grab something else and a handful of M&Ms and make it through the next meeting. Oh, this came up. Well, I don't have time for lunch, so I'll go grab something later. And I'm constantly just grabbing this quick, easy accent or convenient-type foods or food-like products that <laughs> is putting the fuel in, but it's not the right type of fuel. So we want to get the right type of fuel in your body. And if we're putting the right type of fuel and taking care of our in our rest we can do a lot better i felt like you were describing my life <laughs> Unfortunately, Sounds like you need some better sleep. i do need some better sleep <laughs> and again everybody's different Every, there's three people in this room we all might need different amount of sleep so yes trying to figure out what works best for you and how you feel rested and what's going to help you the best and if that's not if it's not working then talk to a doctor and maybe we need to do a sleep study, especially with the weight aspects is we might have some obstructive sleep apnea where your, your airways are being blocked off. So therefore you're not sleeping well. So you're constantly, even though you're trying to sleep, but your body's in that fight or flight situation to kind of keep you alive. Uh, So you're in and out of sleep. So you're not getting it enough. So maybe we need to do a sleep study or need to do a nighttime oximetry and we can do a plug get you into sleep, sleep medicine to maybe look at some of that stuff and see what we can do. And there's lots of other types of sleep issues also. I love that the testing and then the integrated testing with other centers is part of your approach. That's really cool. Yeah. It's cool that you guys use like a multifaceted like approach to finding out what's the root cause of everything. Exactly. So everybody's different. So we got to figure out the puzzles for that person. Okay, so we talked about stress and we've talked about sleep. What is the next pillar? A lot of times it's gut microbiome. A lot of research now is looking at that gut health. The lining of your your large and small intestine has bacteria, which is supposed to be there. It helps your body break things down and absorb things and stuff like that. And we're now delving into some of that, what's the right environment. You can hear a lot of different things. What's the perfect thing? And there's there's actually studies that, and I know it's in mice, so take we're not mine, so I admit that up front. But they can take some of the gut line of the bacteria in a skinny mouse and put it, let me rephrase that, from an obese mouse and put it into a skinnier mouse and without changing the type of foods or the amounts of foods that skinny mice can start gaining weight. That's crazy. So that, that gut is microbiome is playing a key role, but we're still... I wouldn't say infancy, but we're not in a full, this is exactly what's the best. And there's a lot of research out in that aspect. So that can be a key part. So make sure that if that, we feel like that's part of it. Again, it 
keep in mind it's down the list of what we want to look at. So don't go, oh, I'm just going to add a probiotic and it's going to solve everything. No, but it can definitely help if we're struggling in some different aspects. And then looking at prebiotics, but also a, a probiotic or a prebiotic. And I know I brought two different things up. So a probiotic is more replacing or trying to get the right type of bacteria in the intestine. Okay, is a probiotic like in like yogurt? Probiotics, sort of you, exactly, in a live culture type things. Now, the thing you have to be yo- careful with yogurts is that most yogurts are more of a dessert with a lot more sugar. So keep yes, that in is. mind. I go back to that aspect. But having that can, or taking a probiotic or the yogurts or these types of things can definitely help. Now, a prebiotic is trying to give the right type of food or, or a more fermented type food that actually can help that bacteria thrive right. in that environment. What are some prebiotics? Prebiotic type foods would be uh, sauerkraut, kombucha, uh, kimchi, my favorite, um, <laughs> pickles. Um, so that fermented type foods, any type of fermented type vegetables can definitely be a good option. Interesting. I do like me some pickles. So that's good. <laughs> Got to have kimchi. Come on. Yeah, and we're hearing so much about the gut microbiome and how little we know about it, but we're learning more and more all the time, and it sounds like it's a key factor in a lot of different things. Definitely can be. The, the other ones would be your social environment. So having family and friends around that at least understand why you're trying to do it, so trying to get their support. It's kind of hard. I always joke that I'd rather work with women versus men for this reason. So if a woman is, let's say that she has several kids and she's married or in a relationship, she and just playing the odds in our society is she probably does a lot of the cooking. So she's going, I'm not going to cook two different meals. If I'm starting to get her to change her eating habits, she's now helping her family or the people around her make some of that change. Mm -hmm. Versus the guy who comes in goes, I totally understand it. I'm all on board. But when I get home, my wife has made me this nice meal and it's like it's full of carbohydrates and it's going to make me think feel worse. But I'm not going to go, "Eh, come on. Nope, I'm not doing it. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to eat what it is. I'm going to try to do the best I can other times, but I'm not going to cause riff at home. So having that environment, so maybe having that discussion with the family members and what we can do to help support each other and understand why we want to do some of these things also. Yeah. So I think that's sometimes definitely a conversation that a lot of people need to have if they are making or striving to make those changes in their lives, because I think of just like countless times how common it is for like me to get together with friends and like the thing to do is like go get a treat or Mm -hmm. go out to eat, you know, where, you know, you're feeling like, oh, I know I shouldn't be doing that or eating that excessive amount of food. But unfortunately in our society is we put food as a reward. So, oh, you showed up to work. Here's a treat. You showed up to school. Here's a treat. You passed a test. Here's a treat. You scored a goal. Here's a treat. There's nothing wrong with the reward system. Hanging out with your friends should be enough reward. doesn't have to go get food as part of it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, our society is usually the refined carbohydrates. That's your reward. Oh, here's your, this treat or this treat. There's nothing wrong with rewarding yourself. Doing the things you like to do just doesn't have to be food. So one aspect we don't always talk about is some of the medications that we as doctors put you on. Again, we're intentionally tr- not intentionally trying to hurt you. We're trying to solve a problem. But unfortunately, some of those side effects of the medications can be weight gain. So that's something to think about. If you're, if you're on multiple medications and s- multiple different aspects, that medication can be playing a role, causing more cravings or actually maybe getting rid of some extra salt. Therefore, you now have cravings. So now you, you go back to your old habits and you eat more sugar. So that plays a key role. So something that we, we look at is to see what medications you're on 
And again, just because you're on a weight positive, what we call weight positive medications, medicines that can cause weight gain, doesn't mean you are, but it's just another risk factor. So can patients who have been noticing weight gain and think it, it may be linked to their medications, can they visit you or visit one of your nurse practitioners to have a look? I'm always willing to talk to anybody and also be worthwhile. Go back to your providers. Like, I'm concerned about mm-hmm. this because sometimes they're will understand and make some adjustments. But I'm willing to always talk to anybody about any of these options. And again, like I said, we're now in four different clinics. So look at it. Look for us in a place that's closer to you. So in summary, those six things that we talked about is your eating habits, your exercise, your sleep, your stress, your gut microbiome or the gut health, your social environment. But that last one to consider is the medications you're on. So it sounds like it's a lot more um, packed than just diet and exercise. So thank you for sharing those other factors with us. And if you want to learn more about Dr. Ron Rigby, he has his own website, utahmedicalweightloss.com. And then you can also visit us at ogdenclinic.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Daily Diagnosis. For more information about Dr. Ron Rigby or our other providers, visit us at ogdenclinic.com. Thanks again for visiting today, and we hope that you like what you heard. If you'd like to hear more, make sure you like and subscribe to The Daily Diagnosis. We post our podcast weekly.